found it. It's the Japan What Podcast coming at you out of the back end of Tokyo. The, the Armpit of Asia. Shinjuku Gochome. A stone's throw from Kabuki Joe, where you can get what you want when you need your beak wet. My name is Matthew PMBigelow.com. That's my website as well, conveniently. With me as always, for not as always, for the second time after after pleasantly good reviews, the first time is Guten Tag, Herr Bigelow. <laughs> Wie geht es Ihnen? Mm, the begates Ihnen. <laughs> that high school German finally pays off four decades later. Thank you, Frau Larsen. God rest her soul, Danke Shane. And thank you, sir, for having me back. I really had a good time last time. That yeah. was that was amazing. That was fun. It was good. Good reception, and uh, with with the world kind of going off the rails, it's okay to open up a little bit and, and and embrace the the Overton window that's always shifting and changing, and uh, dismiss more and more everybody who just wants to say you're a conspiracy theorist. It's like shut up, go back to mommy. All right. I'm going to need more conspiracy theories because mine are all coming true. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I chose that greeting because in uh, the next block, I want to talk about a long dead German guy, not the guy who keeps popping up in the weirdest public conversations, although he will come up. Uh, this is a theologian who described how one of the biggest dangers to humanity manifests itself, and hopefully we can start to see how to recognize it. Very interesting. Well, I'm going to kick off with um, a new product, and this is coming from uh, to us from japantoday.com. Mm. It's, it's just an easy website to go to that has an aggregate of what's going on, and you don't really get much analysis there, but it has everything you need. Sorry, everybody, that's just my microphone. So what, this, this new product that we're going to talk about today comes on the heels of... Um, Everything eco. Everything's got to be eco. Ooh. And everything's got to be like aimed at millennials with no money. You'll have nothing and you will just be happy. Oh my, here we go. So this is, <laughs> the company is called Earth Cardboard. Capital E, capital C. So that's the name of the company. Every, see. Because okay. everything's online, you can't have an interesting name anymore. No. Like Nike is kind of an interesting name. Reebok is an interesting name. But with all the tech stuff, it's Facebook. It's I guess Twitter is one search thing. Terms. Yeah, search terms. Yeah, SEOs. And yeah, so Earth Cardboard develops eco solar cooker made of water repellent cardboard. <laughs> um, go on. Basically, it's a cardboard box that has a bunch of shiny aluminum style reflectors inside of it. And you put that into the sun and then um, you cook with it. In theory, it sounds like it would work. Yes. <laughs> the Eco Solar Cooker is a cooking utensil invented by Earth Cardboard that uses silver-colored cardboard to collect the sun's heat and light. The cooker is convenient for outdoor cooking, for camping and barbecues, and useful as a disaster kit. The company says it is handy because it is lightweight and small before being assembled. Uh, it can be disposed easily. Um, yes. So it says that the cooker can even be used in the case of light rain or splashed by a child playing with a water gun. That is such a strange disclaimer. <laughs> also, too. Well, well, what about cooking time? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Uh, I'll, I'll show you the, the, the display on my computer here. As you can see, it's just, it looks like a cardboard box that's been fancily. Um, designed, you know, how cardboard boxes are just not boxes anymore. Like, they're, they're assemble kits, basically. I'm, I'm sure you'll be the hit of the Ohanami party. With oh, geez, imagine. We can use this to cook bugs, everybody. Oh. We, will, we, will, we will lessen our carbon footprint with our lovely party here. Put your beer and meat away. We'll just heat up some water to lukewarm temperatures and then put the bugs in there and we can enjoy that. It's eco. It's healthy. It's a new product. And this cardboard box, how much do you think it costs? Um, I'm going to say 3000 1364 yen. Hmm. Okay. So that's because they're 3000 You're thinking of mid-90s salaryman. Oh, now see. we're now we're thinking about um, 
dispatched workers un- under the age of 30 who get paid 1,900 yen an hour. Mm. Well, this is a bit more pleasant than some of the other boxes that they tell people to do things in. So, oh, right, yes. <laughs> Just, my mind is kind of uh, dirty. Um, so, what I would I want to bring up the idea of CBDCs. Oh yes. What does that mean? Central bank digital currency. And why is this um, the key to our freedom in, in the financial world? Well, let me see. Okay, key to our freedom um, because economic crashes should be controlled. Uh, let me see. There's the equity angle. They can make sure that the right people are getting the right benefits. And after that, it just kind of trails off. This could perhaps be a problem where the friends of the banks influence the banks to give their products priority that you can spend or get discounts with them. So you can control the way people spend based on crony, you know, cronyism. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, A lot of people already have a form of central bank digital currency right in their wallets. And that's your train pass. Okay. In Japan, we have the Suica, which has an IC card chip in it. And you can very easily around town and furthermore throughout Japan, put, a couple hundred dollars or a couple million onto this card and use it even to buy suits at major um, suits retailers. Oh yeah, these things are now accepted a lot of places. It's pretty ubiquitous, yeah. And and it is actually convenient. It's convenient. You don't have to bring out your phone. It's a very fast IC card chip, and it's near a field, so you can be within a couple of inches. Mm. And it, people worry about security, but you have to have the reader and the thing, so it's very deliberate. You know, it's hard to just run up to somebody and steal all their money from their card. I've never really heard of that. Here's something that a lot of people probably don't realize. More than 10 years ago, um, I was out with some coworkers. We're going through like different stations to do certain things. And my boss like lost her ticket. And the guy at the counter says, well, let me see your Suica. All of her movements have been, had been tracked, even though she hadn't used the card. And this was 10 years ago. Yeah. Like what's happened since then. Oh, with all the AI data tracking. You've got people that will get a special card to go to a cigarette machine. Now, that data goes somewhere. Yes, yes. It's it's all, and then now... They anonymize it. So it's the metadata theory Mm. where it's not you. It's just everything about you except your name. It's okay. And did you want cancer coverage? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's crazy. Um, They will be able to control... Everything you do. So this article is not the newest article, but I'm just getting it from CoinDesk because uh, you don't need to have like a login and you get you don't have to have three articles that you can read per month on like the Nikkei. The Bank of Japan has, oh, so this is coming from uh, November 23rd. So it's a couple of weeks old, but it's pertinent. The Bank of Japan has planned experiments on a digital yen with three mega banks and regional banks in the country, Nikkei reported on Wednesday. Starting in the spring of 2023, The BOJ will work with private banks and organizations to identify any problems with deposits and withdrawals and check that a CBDC can operate during natural disasters and in areas without internet access, according to the report. Uh, Okay, and there we go. And so the BOJ joined a growing list of central banks worldwide exploring CBDCs last year. What I'd like to say is, generally speaking, Japanese people don't trust um, this type of implementation. Most Japanese people love cash, still oh, yeah. use cash. You see a growing usage of, of apps like PayPay, the QR code or barcode style payment that you use with your phone, like we're talking about with Suica, very popular, but it's distributed. It's not like one thing is replacing another thing, right? right. So you gain with these systems, and the way I like to think about it is it doesn't limit the access to my money. It expands how I use my money depending on the situation I'm in, right? right. Uh, I don't, maybe I forgot to withdraw some money. It's I have my Suica or I have um, some PayPay money. Not a lot, but just like enough for a, a thousand yen here, whatever it is. I, I kind of like that idea, to be honest. And the fact that it's distributed, it's great. But what most Japanese people don't think about is that the Bank of Japan is really in deep. It's like one of the oldest deepest connected Asian banks out there. 
Um, mm. it's, it, it's it, because of the League of Nations and how Japan was one of the first nations to join like the international order. It's mm. very, it, very networky as well. Japan is forced because of its limited resources to network, to buy gold and oil and da, 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 da from everything else all over the world. So the, the Bank of Japan is in deep with the international community, even though most Japanese people aren't. So even though Japanese people might say, we'll never use this, you might not have a choice. Okay. What do you think? I think they're going to force us on it, uh, force it on us. Um, I, what did you just say a few minutes ago? Natural disasters. Oh, we have to do this for here. Oh, no, I don't trust it. Um, carbon footprint. Oh, my goodness. I go to the store, and maybe I want to buy a can of beer and a pack of smokes, and they're like, oh, no. You filled up your carbon footprint. Yeah. And, and now what do I do? You know, because it's software-based... And you have a whole bunch of ignorant activists in control of so much of society right now. Mm. When they implement these systems and they allocate budgets of billions and dollars, billions of dollars, there's going to be enough of a contingent in the political sphere wherever you go these days to accommodate these so-called needs and requests. So in a software, you just implement it. It's not like you have to build a building or hire a bunch of contractors. You just have people request it engineer software engineers implement it and voila somebody pushes a button and activates the carbon footprint aspect on your um, cbdc and that's that is one of the things that people are always talking about we can't do this it's 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 too pollutionary you know well the pollution part of of what some people are doing i wholeheartedly agree with but this decarbonization oh we have to do this and okay that sounds some of that sounds like a good idea Okay, we're going to drive electric cars. Okay, how are they going to go? How are uh, uh, batteries? We need batteries. Okay, where do you get the batteries? Where do you from? get the cobalt? Where do you get Where do you get the copper? Like there we're we're actually doing more damage. Yes. Building these batteries until they can come out with, I don't know, fusion, which I've heard there has been some there's been yeah there's been some move. I think we already have fusion energy very well developed um, somewhere. It's just not been released to the public. Or yeah, like zero point energy or yeah yeah. Know. Well, I, the thing that this whole these every every time they make green initiatives, it's just ugly. Giant windmills. It's mm. like hey, they're going to power everything, but then they don't because there's not enough wind going all the time. I think yeah, we solar panels are mm. great, but you put a thousand on them on front of a lake and then a tornado comes by <laughs> and just fills this lake with really dangerous, you know, elements within the solar panels, all that photovoltaic processing just doesn't come from, you know, granny's panties. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can't unsee that now. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's, it's constant, it's consistently ugly and it's never really the carbon capture technology sounds great, but you see like these giant, like Hoover vacuum cleaners that are like nine stories tall that look like something out of Baphomet would, would want to shove up your ass. And so every time I see these green initiatives, I'm like, okay, they make them. And I'm like, it's ugly and it doesn't work. So why would we want that in the CBDCs, you know? Why, why are we capturing carbon anyways? That's plant food. Yeah. It's, but Let oh, it it's, rip. It's, it's a pollutant. Uh, no, uh, I, there's a tree on my veranda who would really disagree with that. Yeah. Um, but no, they won't stop. Um, yeah, the oceans are rising, which explains why... Very famous people keep buying oceanfront property and paying cash. Yeah, that just you know. maps haven't really changed. No, in the past nothing. Well, years. there are photos. You can, there are side by side photos of like different places. And like the Sydney AI says Harbor. the AI says that doesn't take into context the fact that there are tide levels, and now it is debunked. <laughs> You're like what? Ah, that's actually kind of segue <laughs> segue into yeah. the next section. But the uh, the aspect of of it's always like um, growing up in the 80s, you always remember your childhood. We only have 50 years of oil left. We're at peak oil. Right. And then it's like we keep on discovering more and more. Is oil a fossil fuel? I don't think so. I subscribe to the abiotic uh, oil theory where it's a material that's produced by the earth somehow. Uh, we don't know why. We don't know how. But it's not dinosaurs. 80 no. billion gallons of dinosaurs and trees Locked in a pool in the earth somehow? Get get over yourselves, people. Well, this is what they had to do. They had to give it this fossil fuels. 
So, and, and that becomes part of the narrative. And now everybody, you know, kids, little kids, because they've seen it in cartoons, you know, dinosaur dies, blows into the ground, turns into oil. And, and it's like, uh, no, no, the, the earth is making stuff. It's always it's, so it's, easy. It's pretty isn't it? obvious. You know, the earth is making stuff. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're here because of that reason. It made us. Right. Um, well, let's move on to another topic. What do you, what do you got, sir? Well, uh, actually, um, I want to drop a word on the conversation that I freshly encountered like just last week, which I'm finding very useful. And that is pre-bunk. Ah. Pre-bunk. We, we all know the word debunk, how it's used to massage the narratives after something has come out. But if you take a, a step back and really, really watch the news, there's obvious pre-bunking going on. Um, a lot of it has to do with, like, the, the Musk Twitter thing. They're putting out stories ahead of things. And once you see this, you, you can't unsee it. It, it, it. it injects a narrative to avoid talking about the other narrative. Exactly. Yeah, so you can talk about Elon Musk purging the pedophiles from Twitter or... Um, changing the algorithms. Like, for example, on Twitter, I've noticed that the recommendations for me have gone away from President Joe Biden, CNN, and uh, these types of follows to local journalists or local institutions. Just in the past couple of weeks, I've wow. really noticed a change in the algorithm where instead of just kind of going, why would I want to follow Joe Biden? I'm a Canadian living in Japan. I mean, mm -hmm. who cares what... His Twitter account isn't written by him because it actually makes sense. There, there's full sentences there. <laughs> so we obviously know that's not him. Um, uh, yeah, but now it's like a local think tank, a local institute. And I'm like, even if I don't want to agree with those people, I'm like, oh, that's stuff going around in my community that I can localize and synergize with. Yeah, so what about this pre-bunk stuff? It, yeah, there's, so you, you danced right on it, okay? The Hunter Biden laptop. And so it's... They, what they do is they put out the, the stories in advance, get you softened up. When the real revelations come out, what do, they, what do they do? They turn and go, oh, you just want to see Hunter Biden naked. It's like, uh, no, no, really, 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 I don't. Um, I think it's called Burisma. <laughs> I think that's what I'm interested in. The fact that there's a war going on in Ukraine and he has a seat on Burisma with... So it's Pelosi connection as well, and totally old like, why, news. Why don't we? Old why don't we talk about news. that? No, well, he's not old. the president. Yeah, but he's the son, and he's a crackhead sitting on a board in Ukraine on an energy company. That is a. Those are some dots we might want to connect, people. No, 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 no. We need to. <laughs> we need to move on. We 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 even have an organization, moveon.org. We're going to move on. Moveon.org. This, this is this is how they do. They 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 pre-bunk it, and they're getting very very good at it. Like a lot of times, you would say, "Well, they're just trying to get ahead of the story," but this is very deliberate. They know something bad is coming, and they know that their readers don't find alternative news sources. Exactly. There's a real captured, like if you're in a liberal bubble. You, you think that your liberal ideas are accepted worldwide because there's the Indonesian liberal bubble. There's the, wherever you go, you can find this echo chamber, but mm. you step one step of like 10 feet away from that bubble. And most people really disagree with it. I've, I figured that out by traveling the world by myself, been to a few countries by myself from a few different parts of the world, mm. uh, Thailand, Singapore, mm. um, Sumatra and in Indonesia. I went through three weeks in Europe and it's like, you know, just by myself, a lot of those places, not always, but some places it's like you're in the midst of a bunch of jazz musicians in Italy and they're just like, yeah, we don't trust the EU. We, we think they're a bunch of uh, evil technocrats. Next solo, like they're not liberals. These are like, these are, these are jazz musicians that you would think would be maybe liberals, but they're like, no, we don't like this technocracy invading our, our Italy. Now, now it's time for, a, a, you know, a glockenspiel from Germany. But see, you wouldn't know that if you were only in Twitter before. Yeah, in, or in, in that reading the Atlantic chamber. and the New Yorker. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, and the Atlantic. These <laughs> things that, that do the, the pre-bunking, that pre-feed the narrative. So you don't, so the readers don't actually 
leave the plantation as it were and you don't even have to like go to Infowars and and, and wash yourself and Alex Jones shouting at you every day mm. you just got to go somewhere else where maybe the Hindustani times in India might have a different opinion than they're in English right it's surprising yeah it, but and actually this is the perfect segue yes into the next segment are we ready yeah we'll take a break well we don't have to take a break but what we can do is we can say if you like what we're doing at the Japan What Podcast. You're listening to the Japan What Podcast. Donate at paypal.me slash japanwut. Donate at paypal.me slash japanwut. Segway. Energy crisis driving climate-friendly power savings. The International Energy Authority. This is how it begins, talking about pre-bunking and, and narrative setting. This comes to us from Paris, but it's in the Japan Times, uh, Japan Today, sorry.com. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has driven countries across the world to boost energy efficiency, creating, quote, huge potential to tackle high prices, security, and climate change, the IEA said. <laughs> like, what? That? How do you begin with something like that? And it doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense. So that's the getting more into You just open up anything with climate EU, an energy authority, and it's just mindless propaganda, basically. And it's topics that I'm actually interested in, but it's delivered in such a way where I go, these people are nuts, and I got to get away from them as quickly as possible. A couple of things. Now, I, I, I want to move off from that topic. Okay. Are we on? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't mind stammering and stumbling. It's part of the process. <laughs> we're not. We're teleprompter-free, everybody, and uh, we're, we're, we're finding... Finding our, our pace. Japan government wants to give people an extra 80,000 yen to have babies. I've had a baby in the past couple of years trying to have another. Um, and 80,000 yen is a weird, that's a weird carrot to dangle in front of everybody. It, it, w- it wouldn't cover, it would cover like two days in the, in the hospital after you have a baby. You might get a stroller. Like strollers in Japan are between... 30,000 yen and 100,000 yen. So I'm not sure what this extra 80,000 yen to have babies would be. I think that there's a major rift between the, the Japanese government right now and then the people um, because they're just constantly coming out with like camel designed horses, you know, like a, a, mm. a committee designs a camel. Nature designs a horse because a camel is just such a weird thing to to even make. I don't know what this would be. You could it says that they want to boost it up to um, five hundred thousand yen, but that would be cool. But who cares? It's all kind of mulling and, and secretive. What do you think about this type of stuff? There has been a fertility crisis in this country for decades. Yeah, um, in years, you know, going back, there was some explanation for it. You know. Companies working salary men to death. That yep. Has an effect on, you know. Everybody living in tiny apartments. Right, right, right. So close together. Um, and they actually haven't done anything. Just throwing money on it. I mean, you know, it's, it's great for my kids. <laughs> I don't think they're going to have any more, though. Um, but it's, uh, I, I think they're all half measures. I, I don't think they're serious. I think they... They, they could do something, um, but like, look where we're at now. Okay, people are out of work. Um, there's been this whole, um, oh, not carnivore, herbivore. The whole herbivore uh, thing um, was that called shushoku danshi or something like that. Veg, vegetable eating men. Yeah, where 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 men have been kind of castrated, girl, girled down a bit, girlified. Um, I don't want to drink beer. I want to eat sweets. And girls are like, that's cute. But that's kind of where it ends, you know. And most most women, most women want a man and most men want a woman. That's kind of how it works. It's the way it's going to work. It's, um, I don't know. It, it, what's really, okay, what's the solution? You know, we're not, Japan is not replacing itself fast enough. I wonder if that's by design. I, I'm because um, going back to the idea that local Japanese people are super local and they're not really into the whole trilateral commission thing, right? Mm-hmm. 
even though the elites very much are. Um, I, there's these um, global initiatives that go on and certain countries take certain roles. Like uh, Canada might have a role for, uh, I don't know, whatever. But the Japanese role might have been like population management where the, like we're talking about these one-room apartments that are like, 30 square meters, if that. Okay. And people move into these things en masse. Then they get these jobs that where they work nine to nine, right? Five or six days a week. And then they people get accustomed to this style of life. And if you want to have, if you want to live in Tokyo in a in a three LDK, meaning a an apartment or a condo with three rooms inside of it, mm-hmm. that's okay. You can move to Saitama. And you can easily do that. You'll commute two hours a day, you know, or four hours a day or whatever it is, but you can. And then you can have a maximum of two children, which isn't enough to replace the population because kids die, people die. Yes. So to get a three LDK or a four LDK or a five LDK is really, really hard. So the entire infrastructure for people's lives in this country, especially in dense urban population centers where most of the work is, limits the population growth because of the design of the apartments themselves. And people can say, well, people want to live in a one-room apartment. They don't want to live in a house. that Or is that just the limits of their opportunities because of the amount of money coming in through their jobs versus how much they can invest into real estate and how much that's going to pay off for them to have a family and things like that. You can be a poor person and have five kids, uh, but you still need like a few rooms to do that. So the space is purposefully being limited perhaps, uh, by these, you know, global initiatives to force a population decline quite naturally. Well, look what else. I mean, you, we, 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 basically the tax-paying population has been doubled in every country. Women are now in the workforce. And it's like, okay, well, it's, uh, there's no equity. And it's like, well, you know, okay. I love that. There's, there's hardly any CEO women in this country. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a CEO either. <laughs> tough shit tough shit Get i'm not over. a manager i don't run a company either i'm just like you so yeah you, you can either have women taxpayers in the workforce yes or you can address the population problem they haven't been able to find anything in between and like I, i've been here decades this is not a new thing international com- companies in japan are much more accommodating for this type of thing. Like mm. they will say, take a few months off if you give them a doctor's note or something like that. Mm. They, they will just accommodate it because it's quite natural. But if that happens in Japan, the woman comes back and finds her job has been completely replaced by another job in another department or something like that. Yeah. My a previous company was really real. I, I found to be really, really good on this stuff. So you can put policies in place, you know, maternity leave and, and guarantees and stuff like that. Um, and you can operate it, but that's not everyone. And, you know, if only 10% of your female workforce is having children, you know, they're still... Or if you incentivize them to have abortions instead of children. Hey. 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 We'll pay for that abortion if you just come back to work quickly. Think how much smaller your climate footprint will be. Kids are pollution. Remember to go to MatthewPMBigelow.com or get this podcast wherever you get your podcast needs. MatthewPMBigelow.com. And Jeff, where can people find you? I'm on Gab, and that's really all. That's it's good enough for me. I'm not on Twitter. Don't. Uh, I've been spending too much time on Twitter. It's, it's becoming too good. It's become too good. That's what people are saying. But, oh, well, it depends on who you ask. It's very true. I got I got really tired of um of just screaming. I used to be a liberal, but it's just like it's just started screaming so much. I'm like, ah, get out of here! <laughs> You're all gonna die, so get abortions and stop having kids. It's like ah, um, let's take a look at um another topic here. Do you want to go? I got I got topics. You got topics? What's um this one's gonna take a. A few minutes, so if you want to... A few minutes? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll come at you with uh, just a little something then. Oh, and right. um, This is um, more of Asia-specific and to trade. Are you going to talk about business and trade at all? No. No? Okay. U.S.-bound container traffic from China plunges as ASEAN share rises. 
What's happening right now is a lot of decoupling from China, actually. Mm. Um, Japan is shifting a lot of its factories out to other areas. The costs of doing business in China have really gone up with the increase in um, totalitarianism. Yeah. <laughs> and also people making more money. They're shifting into Vietnam. Uh, they're, they're shifting into Bangladesh and, and other places like that. Mm. Uh, they were going into Myanmar, but ever since the coup... Coups aren't really good for business. No, so, no, it's, yeah, it's one thing. We're thinking about coups. Uh, so this is just a very brief article, but it's saying freight on U.S. bound ships from China, including Hong Kong, totaled um, uh, it tumbled twenty one percent on the year, and the lowest since May twenty twenty. The decline followed a thirteen percent decrease in September. This is coming to us from the Nikkei dot com. In contrast, shipments from members of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations (ASEAN) are growing, jumping twenty two percent in October after rising twenty three percent the previous month. The growth owes in part to a rebound from weak exports due to pandemic-related production suspensions. Uh Uh-oh. The latest figures mean ASEAN accounted for 26% of all U.S.-bound freight from Asia in October, the highest since March 2020, while China's share shrank to 54% as that country grappled with the first surge of coronavirus infections. No, it's the response, you fools. It's the response. <laughs> so I just thought that was interesting. I've been looking at supply chains ever since this thing broke out because mm. Wuhan was a major center for global everything, semiconductors, mm. 5G equipment, medicine, car components, chips, everything, you name it, was in this stupid town, the big city in the middle of China where the government could just cut that off from the world, you know, just-in-time delivery system service and screw us all. It's like putting pushing a like a, a domino block, you know, those domino things that go around the room and they tumble right, and right, fall. Right, right. It's like you don't if you're a domino at the end of that line, and that line is like five hundred thousand dominoes long, hmm. you got a long time to wait. But that domino's been pushed, my friend. And it's, it's coming. It's coming, and that's what China did when they cut off that Wuhan stuff to contain the virus that they made and had the funding and everything else for. Um, it, it, it really caused this whole thing. So I've been really looking at um, the whole global supply chain network since then, and I think it's really good to get out of China, to be honest. Get out of China and get out of Canada would be my suggestion. So it's just not financial advice, just generally speaking. Well, I remember back a few years ago, the people assembling Apple iPhones in China were like jumping off the roof. The Foxconn, they've recently been escaping from Foxconn plants and protesting at them as well. And yeah, making making some noise. And um, I think they're back to work. They had to give them a bunch of money um, in order to stay. But yeah, the China's zero COVID approach really just doesn't make sense, especially the way they've been suffering business there economically. They closed down Hong Kong. Then they closed down Shanghai. Mm. When President Xi, President Xi, when Mr. <laughs> Xi, the, the guy from China, chose his new Politburo members or the this, this super high committee that he, he gets to choose to make the country go, um, he chose, he promoted the Shanghai governor, essentially, to his new cabinet. Mm. So everyone was like, why are you shutting down Shanghai? It's going to hurt business. People are suffering. No, that guy got a promotion. I think wow. we may have talked about that, but so it's like, maybe they don't really care about money. Maybe they're doing their own thing and maybe they're trying to just flood the West with cheap crap and fentanyl while they make off with their own new system and say, screw you guys, we're going home. The fentanyl thing. Oh my goodness. That, that's just, it's really scary. Fentanyl, border, all that stuff. I'm glad it's not here. It's really nice that it's well, not here. Apparently China was making it and they went, oh, wait a minute. We can just ship the material to, to Mexico. Yeah. And now the cartels are doing it. It's, yeah. They're a, they're a branch plant for the international um, fentanyl addiction cartel. I, I have no, I'm like looking like a crystal ball vision of what China's doing. I have no idea because none of it makes sense. It's they're like, establishing their new, their new way forward. And um, it would be interesting if um, the U.S. military launched a bunch of missile attacks against cartel-owned fentanyl production facilities. I, I would, no, they can't. That'd be awesome. That, it would be awesome, yeah. <laughs> now, that would be some shock and eye the world really needs. I know somebody who would do it, but, you know, he's not 
He's not back yet. <laughs> <laughs> President in exile. Let's all admit it. Uh, so this long thing you got going on. Let's. I'm curious. Okay. Ah, uh, here we go. All right. So I stumbled on this topic the way you know you usually do. You walk into the living room, stumble, your nose hits the remote. Pretty soon you're heading down a rabbit hole, and this is where I discovered Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Is this the German person you alluded to at the beginning of the yes, podcast? Yes, yes, this is our German. And the name of the video was Bonhoeffer's Theory of Stupidity. I'm not really sold on the name, and we'll get to that. It could be smarter. <laughs> could be smarter. Probably, you know, a theory is, it's more of a treatise. Ah, yeah. Uh, here we go. So, okay, Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor. Remember that name. He's a theologian, and he was later a dissident and extreme nuisance against a certain group that was causing all kinds of problems in Europe and beyond, and who ultimately executed him for high crimes. So he's been held up as this martyr who was like in the wrong place at the wrong time. But after looking at the text we're going to go over soon, I really wanted to know how it got written. And the first place you go for these things is Wikipedia, where... Despite being known for the theory of stupidity, the word stupid is nowhere on his Wikipedia page. There are a bunch of weirdos over at Wikipedia. Sometimes it's like standard information, like the city of San Francisco was da 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 da, da. And, But for certain people or topics, it's like, hmm. So th hmm. This, this was kind of a red flag, and I look closer. Okay, so Bonhoeffer, born 1906 in Breslau, which is part of Poland, a large, influential political family. He has a twin sister. They were the yeah. sixth and seventh children out of eight. His father was a psychiatrist and a neurologist, noted for his criticism of Sigmund Freud. His mother, noble blood, from the Prussian royal court. That's she's, important. The Prussians are important. She's a teacher and the granddaughter of a Protestant theologian and a painter. Um, his older brother became a chemist and was the co-discoverer of spin isomers of hydrogen. So there is a lot of talent in this, in, this, in this bloodline. Doesn't skip a generation. Young Dietrich completes his Doctor of Theology degree from the Humboldt University of Berlin, graduating summa cum laude at the age of 21. Okay, so he's smart. Really smart. Now, he's too young to be ordained. So at the age of 24, he gets invited to go to New York to do some seminary stuff. He finds the American seminary work boring, but he falls in love with the Black Baptist Church. He can't believe what he's seeing because all the religion for him up to now has been Bobby, right. blah, blah, you know. And these people are celebrating. We're going to be free, free, free. They're, with Jesus. They've been oppressed. They're you know, probably like, still That type being of oppressed. music was only popular in the 19, from the 1930s. But like, no, that's the way black Christians have been singing it for thousands of years, people. Yeah. So the people at the black church, they love this guy. And the story actually could have ended here because they wanted to send him to, send him to California. He's like, no, I have to go back to, goes back to Germany. He starts to see things. <laughs> he starts to see, see things from below, from the, spec, the perspective of people who are oppressed. And unlike the namesake of his sect of Christianity, Martin Luther, Bonhoeffer is actually sympathetic to the Jews in Germany. That's another. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so... He you hear that, yay? Comes back to Germany in 1931, becomes a lecturer. He's a rising star, as theologians go. Uh, attacks the infamous former corporal on the radio the day after he was installed as chancellor. <clears throat> ah, uh -huh. mine, not mine, but za. El Führer. <laughs> okay, and Bonhoeffer is upset because they are taking control of the church as a, um, as they basically rise in power. As socialists do. Okay, and here's where the threads of the story get interesting. Okay, the Bonhoeffer family is very political, very anti-Nazi. There's evidence that in 1938 they were in on a failed bombing plot to kill Hitler. Two years before the war, like, really broke out. Um, 
So Mr. Super Nuisance to the Nazi Party has another chance to save his own skin in June 1939, catches the last boat from Germany to New York to do, you know, theologian things. But no, no, no. Regrets his decision, goes back after two weeks. Whoa. Now, where now he's being confronted with ethics, and he has an ethics conundrum, and there he's trying to justify this these plans to kill Adolf Hitler with, you know, uh, being a Christian. Right, 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 right. Turn the other cheek. Sorry, Hitler. I'm turning the other cheek. Now here he's he's lured into the family business. He's working for a counterintelligence unit, and eventually. The, the Gestapo comes after him, but only, but not for like the stuff that he's been doing, but for corruption. Because this counter-intel unit was like sending people to different places. Like they would send a Jew to, I don't know, Morocco. Right. And gather intel. And they'd make one report and never come back. So he lands in a prison. Um, he's doing all this stuff right under the Gestapo's gaze. He's, like, smuggling out letters. Um, he's, uh, he finishes his book. He's communicating with the outside with by tiny dots under the letters in these books. Okay. So, like, they just, like, invented this, like, he's right He's a super coder. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it makes it... Now, okay, where are we? Okay, the, what got him in trouble is that somebody thought it would be a good idea to save the evidence of the involvement in these various plots to kill Hitler. Including Germans the, and their paperwork. Including the July 20th plot. Germans and their paperwork. Which shredded the Fuhrer's pants, and that, he, that really made him mad. He was furious. <laughs> got his pants shredded by this. Um, so he's in prison. They're just looking at him for corruption. And then they keep looking, they keep looking, they keep looking. And they find what they need on a dusty shelf inside a room, inside another room in an unused building. And had that happened two weeks later, the story maybe could have ended there. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's when the Allies were closing in. And one of the reasons, now this is, okay, one of the reasons that these documents were saved because the German resistance wasn't getting any respect from Britain. In Britain at that time, the MI something or other was making information broadcasts across Germany with the help of one of Bonhoeffer's German friends. He might have been a Jew, I'd have to check, I don't, but he knew Bonhoeffer and he's there making these misinformation broadcasts. Guess who else was on the crew of this thing? A young military officer named Ian Fleming. The writer of the Bond novels. Yeah, yeah. So there's like lots of intrigue. And of course, people say that Ian Fleming wrote those Bond novels as a fiction to write about truth, about how corruption and global conspiracy kind of works on a, on a low resolution level. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he was, like, right in there, so. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Now, one of the letters that um, was supposedly smuggled out is called On Stupidity. That's the title of it. And um, we're going to add some uh, links at MatthewPMBigelow.com. Yeah, you can find links in the show notes or go to MatthewPMBigelow.com. Okay. There's a full deadpan reading of this creatus on oh, YouTube by the Dietrich Bonhoeffer Institute, which oddly appears to be based in Washington, D.C., ah. has almost zero content. Ah. <laughs> but here are just a few paragraphs to wet your whistle. Okay. Right. On stupidity. Stupidity is a more dangerous enemy of the good than malice. One may protest evil, it can be exposed, and if need be, prevented by the use of force. Evil always carries within itself the germ 
of its own subversion and that it leaves behind in human beings at least a sense of unease. Against stupidity, we are defenseless. Yes. Neither protests nor the use of force accomplish anything. Reasons fall on deaf ears. Facts that contradicts one's prejudgment simply need not be believed. In such moments, the stupid person even becomes critical. And when facts are irrefutable, they are just pushed aside as inconsequential and incidental. In all this, the stupid person, in contrast to the malicious one, utterly self-satisfied and easily irritated, becomes dangerous by going on the attack. Hey, you should get your fourth booster, by the way. I'm telling you. Um, this this goes on, and there are really just like some some real gems in here. People that have okay, what's to say? People who have isolated themselves from others or who live in solitude manifest this defect less frequency. And basically, Bonhoeffer uh, he's not calling people stupid. No, he, no, no. And what he's saying, especially is that, not you, me, or anybody listening to this podcast. Definitely not. Definitely yes. not. They're smart. They're yeah, smart people. He, he makes the distinction that stupidity is not an intellectual defect; it's a moral defect. Yes, because people allow themselves to be stupid, and th- this this feeds it well into uh, Kaczynski's the Unabomber uh, manifestos as well, who says you might have a very very smart um, chemist. He doesn't spend his off time studying other branches of chemistry. He's going golfing. Okay, now just these last few lines and I'll, and I'll cut it off. All right. Upon closer observation, it becomes apparent that every strong upsurge of power in the public sphere, be it of a political or of a religious nature, infects a large part of humankind with stupidity. It would even seem that this is virtually a sociological, psychological law the power of the one needs the stupidity of the other. Power of the one needs the stupidity of the other. Yeah. Who's the one? Ne- not Neo from the Matrix. No, no, no. It's the, it's 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 the elite, powerful person. Oh. That person ah, so induced stupidity. Exactly. I see. I see. I see. So to, to to fulfill an end. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, you really should get your fifth booster. <laughs> <laughs> no! We'll do it live. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and now people might think, okay, well, what does this have to do with Japan? Japan, Japan. Well, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Go back two years ago and look at what was happening. Okay, these People who were totally indoctrinated with the narrative, like for masks, for social distancing, for washing your hands. I went along with it from um, January 2020 to May 2020. So I was like, looks pretty serious. I'll go along with it. And then after that, I was like, I haven't seen anybody dead. Haven't, there's uh, hospitals. Okay, I'm, I'm done. So, but I agree. Since then, is ramped up. Ramped there was, up there ramped was up. so much propaganda in the news cycle, and people were ramped up. And like the first time in I don't know, fifteen years, somebody spoke to me on a train and said, "Can you please wear a mask?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, it's Japanese manners." And no, it's not. You just made that up. Yeah, <laughs> and um, people are still wearing masks. People are, yeah, some people are. Um, okay, so we had the mask thing. What did it take? It's like basically that first spring in the first year of the, the thing, people were like, oh, springtime, we can get outside. And we're like, uh-uh, no, no, not so fast. Let's get Bugaku on the job, the, the supercomputer. Uh, super, let's feed it a whole bunch of horrible data, and then let's see what it spits out at us. And, oh, it's really bad. And, and somebody without a mask can infect somebody in Sapporo. It, we, it's on the computer, see? It's... The most, by the way, it's the most powerful computer in the mm. world. Are you really going to disagree with that? Yeah. Well, what data was put into it? What's the data set? Shut up. I'm stupid. I'm waiting for the future so I can get my sixth booster shot. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, but 
it, it will take probably a couple times watching or, you know, looking, looking this text over, but, but then you're going to get to a place where you can't unsee it. It's like, yeah. it's like the Republicans pounce stuff. Right. Where, where the, something really bad happens uh, on behalf of a democratic policy or uh, an American Democrat does something and then a whole bunch, the news doesn't report on it. And then the next day, Republicans respond and saying, hey, what's this all about? Both sides do crazy stuff all the time, but this is the news cycle. Republicans pounce on AOC's decision to include more gender equity in parliament. And you're like, well, or whatever it is. Maybe not parliament, but whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you, you got, once you see it, you can start to figure out how to deal with it, you know, but, and this was written, let's say, okay, supposedly written, um, smuggled out. Um, he had a friend probably who helped him and stuff like that. Um, but these words were probably written in like 1945, which is four years before Orwell. And what Bonhoeffer was essentially describing was groupthink. Yes, groupthink. The problem, groupthink. And uh, the crowd. Um, and about a, a similar book that people might want to check out. And this is, um, you might say, what's this have to do with Japan? Well, it's more of a universal thing. It's like hmm. a philosophy that... It's observed and repeated wherever you want to go. Another one is by the French philosopher Gustave Le Bon. And he wrote the book The Crowd. Mm. And he went around to a whole bunch of countries around the world and observed crowd behavior and how a sort of subconscious mentality mm. seeps to the front wherever you go in the world. And depending where you go, that it, it changes quite dramatically. Dramatically is a word we invented. It's fine to use. Okay. Um, it's yeah. dramatic and drastic. Dramatically. I'll type that in. <laughs> um, so there we go. Um, another another kind of a, a philosophy, uh, a philosophical stance on, on crowd behavior. And it's well, well worth looking into. And Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's nuts. What a stupid world. <laughs> just, you just you, to summarize like, like, the the guy. The can, guy. It, can can this get any weirder? Are are we really living during the best time to be alive? I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm not sure. It could be. Mm. Um, I, 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 I like I never. Starting about 15 years ago, I stopped. Like the 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 main thing for whether we live in the in the best time or not focuses a lot on the environment. Like, mm. if we don't turn this ship around by the year twenty thirty, we'll, we'll be all dead. I'm like, okay, well that's a little crazy. I don't want to be a part of that, but mm. I am part of the. Can we stop cutting down forests to turn them into items for useless things in the dollar store? Yeah, let's stop doing that. Exactly. Yeah, oil spills. Let's stop doing that. Yeah. Cadillac converters. Can we get more of those? You know, they, these are very practical approaches to something that we all care about. You know, the air, the the water, and the land. Um, but right now, the, since COVID came along, I'm like, well, you know, abuse is going up. Uh, intelligence is going down. Um, authoritarian is on the authoritarianism is on the rise. Economic freedom is kind of being constrained, and, mm. and so on a day to day basis, you you know the lights are still working, the trains are still working, and all that. But there's like this this kind of a fun layer that's been ripped out of society, where it's like, hey, let's go to Palau for the weekend and swim with these harmless jellyfish in the lake, and you're like, well, sounds great, <laughs> you know? Hey, let's go watch a movie and not worry if it's a whole bunch of weird. Um, uh, pedo grooming stuff in the imagery because, like, oh. now I'm just like I'm on the lookout for all that. Like, so this idea of just like saying, "Hey, let's go to let's go to Seoul for the weekend and eat a bunch of kimchi and maybe bang some chicks if we're <laughs> single, and then come back to work on Monday and maybe a little hungover, but we'll have some stories." People uh, used to do that. Yeah, it was very common, and uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I don't really feel it anymore. So. There's a certain fun level of of living that's that's not present in the modern life. Yeah, anymore. I don't feel like I'm and, missing. Anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's another like I, I see like people going out and like, yeah, we had a great time. What did you do? We just took videos of for Instagram. It's like, what? Really? It was crazy. I was like, I had this blue hair and she had this other hair, and we're uploading videos to Instagram. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's. I remember doing videos when I was younger. I just I remember things being more entertaining. Yeah. 
Yeah, now it's everything about the self. Love me. I love me. Yeah. I want to be liked. How many impressions do I have? <laughs> We're going to finish off with one last article here. Uh, this is kind of funny. Uh, I might skip that one. I might skip that one. Oh, this will be great. This is from the lifestyle section of japantoday.com. Oh, a look at the Tokyo Museum just for bizarre Japanese to English mistranslations. Ooh. So one. this will, yeah, we got a few. And this is, uh, I'm not going to look through the whole thing. I'm just, this is on written on a, on a urinal. Please urinate with precision and elegance. <laughs> okay. Uh, precision, yeah. Yeah. This is for a, um, a, a coffee machine that's for public use at like a hotel or something like that. Mm. When coffee is all gone, period. It's over, period. Just, that is, no, see, that is elegant in its simplicity. <laughs> um, on a t-shirt, crap your hands. C-R-A-P. No. <laughs> yeah, which is the t-shirt we all want to get. So oh, like, yes, yes. Crap your hands. Crap your hands. <laughs> um, and this is a, a, a kind of a free food display um, uh, where people can just like a buffet type of thing. Mm. And there's some like restrictions. Um, please do not eat children and elderly. <sighs> well, they'll give you an indigestion, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, they mean to say... Children and elderly should not eat this. And, you know, good, good luck passing those dentures. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, it's a don't throw away dog. Oh, really? Instead oh. of don't throw away dog feces or dog poop. Uh, it's pretty funny. Anyway, I, I, I thought, I, I really had thought we had the handle on this for, you know, because it was such a such a running joke. I for, know, for yeah, all it. And, yeah. And we were really, things were really... What was it? English.com was oh, the main one about 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Liverside Hotel, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, But grief. it still pops up every now and then. The English is much better. It's just the context is a little wonky. No, oh, I, I wish I'd saved some of these labels from back in the day. I used to collect the T-shirts. Yes, hey, yes. Just uh, one thing. Okay, so I, I guess we can mention the day that this is... Um, being recorded. Yes. Um, okay, so today is December 14th. Yes. Which is celebrated in Japan as the uh, the 47 Ronin Festival. Ah, interesting. Which um, actually... A Ronin is a masterless samurai. samurai He's right. basically a mercenary. So, yeah. so, like, if you saw the that movie with Keanu Reeves, the original story was, like, almost like that. Yes. Without, you know, the spiders and the ghosts and stuff like that. But Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, though, okay, according to the old soul calendar, the 14th day of the 12th month would actually be, like, at the end of January. But people celebrate this today. Okay. Yeah, just, just completely not thinking about. <laughs> it's been, it's been established. It's, it's, and and they take their incense up and they, you know, they light the incense and they put the incense down on the headstones and you know, I'm sure these ghosts are going like, uh, you're six weeks early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We in the uh, afterlife adhere to a strict human schedule, and you are indeed early. Shame <laughs> on you. But, but they can't hear us, you know, in the afterworld. Yeah, it's not a big festival, but uh, let me see. Uh, Jagabata, baked potatoes smothered in butter and mayonnaise, yeah, yeah. grilled chicken steak, Oof. and a sasebo burger, which is a giant patty on not so impressive bread, but you know, you can dress it up at home. It's later. good, up, it's good, it's good, it's all good. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave with this. I, maybe I should start with like, um, a thing, things to do with kids in Tokyo for people who listen, take them to a temple. Um, especially younger kids. I went to the oh, Honzoji Temple. I can't remember. It's near Hamamatsucho in Tokyo here. Okay. And these bigger temples are very wide, tend to be quite flat, and there's no bicycles and stuff allowed in there. Right. But there's still a lot of activity and things to see and do. So it's cheap, it's safe, mm. and you can take your kids there. So if you're ever in Japan and you want a place to go to, 
You don't necessarily need to go to the biggest temple, which are temples which are usually super busy, like in Kyoto and stuff like that. Right. But you find some big temples that are not the main temples, and you go there with young kids, you can easily kill an hour, an hour and a half, and not spend a penny, not spend a dime, not spend a yen, not spend a yuan, and uh, you're living the life. Yeah, take the leash off, let them run free. Wear yeah. that battery down. Wear that battery down. Because <laughs> unlike what these weirdo environmentalists say, uh, kids are the future. So let's uh, let's let's make them uh, enjoy themselves as, as much as they can. Yeah, it's a good idea. Where can people find you, Jeff? Uh, they can find me on Gab uh, at Tokyo Watch. And you can always find this podcast wherever you get your podcast needs, as well as at MatthewPMBigelow.com. Um, take her easy, everyone. Uh, Jamatane. I always wear my mask and wash my hands after going home.